0: Hey everyone, happy Friday. I hope you guys are finding yourself and your power on this magnificent day we have before us. And I hope that you've had a fantastic week as well. Staying in the light, staying in the positivity, doing whatever it is you do to give your best, be in your highest greatness for the world. Because as I've said, as I truly believe, the world needs you. The world needs you desperately right here, right now, in this very moment. And I hope to inspire that in you through my podcast, through my words, through all the work that I do. So today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast, it is the second edition of Mind Expanding Book Series. Uh, I'm joined once again by my brother, Gus Britton. Um, we started this thing off Hoping to get to four books. But as the conversation would have it. We really ended up only having time to discuss two. Uh, The conversation that each book led us into. uh, The various tangents and um, discussions we went on. Were pretty deep and intricate. So we didn't get to, to all four of the books. The first book we discussed was the malady of death by Marguerite Dura in which a man hires a woman to spend a weekend with him at a seaside hotel to see if he can have an experience or feel love. Uh, it's fascinating tale. It's a short book, um, which led us into a, a, very deep discussion of the layers of love, sex, love, compassion, what those things are, what they mean, why is compassion important, um, and and, apl- and how to apply that to yourself on your spiritual journey and your outlook on the world. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, we talk about Osho in there. Uh, we talk about various historical events and people, Ram Dass, etc. I think you guys will get a kick out of it. The next book we discuss was my selection of Out of Your Mind by Alan Watts. Obviously, if you guys know me, you know how much I love Alan Watts. Uh, this book, I recently just finished it. It's a fantastic collection of his essays and thoughts. Um, I even recognize some of them as speeches he's given or at least excerpts. He uses piece of e- pieces of each one of them in speeches that I've listened to uh, perhaps in his writing, he was working through what he would talk about in his speeches. Um, it's really a fantastic compilation of his, the scope and breadth of his work in Zen, in Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, the spiritual teachings of those various religions and philosophies how to apply them to everyday life in the West. Um, it's awesome. I mean, Alan is truly one of the great thinkers, light bearers the world has ever known. Um, and I, feel, I just feel like every time I turn him on, I'm listening to one of my teachers. Uh, something interesting about Alan, he died at a relatively young age, believe in his 50s or 60s as a result of alcoholism he basically drank himself to death and I, I say that I feel it's it's only worth mentioning because skeptics of Alan's work will call that into question to question the validity and the legitimacy of his teachings and what he spoke about but I have to say that on the spiritual path there's a very real aspect of disillusionment and which can lead to a great despair if you're not continuously open or if you I I don't know if there's a safeguard against it but I think it's very natural to find ways to keep yourself interested in the world and I, I can't speak for Alan I don't know the ins and outs of that experience, perhaps one day i will I will dive into his actual life story to find that out, but um, I feel as though there's something there, so something to, something to think about as you dive into the world of Alan Watts, sort of the tragic end of this this great teacher the world has seen and, and known um, so that's about it. I think you guys will really enjoy this. And get a lot out of it. I highly recommend both of these books to expand your perspective of the world. Um, they're just a treasure trove of information, insight, and wisdom. Before I send you off into it, remember: if you're interested in the greatest coffee the world has ever known, head over to InvaderCoffee.com. Use code The Ebb and Flow, all one word, to get fifteen percent off your next order. They've got the Fuck Shit Up blend, the whiskey blend. They've got fantastic roasts and blends of coffee. I highly recommend it. It's low acidity. It's organic. It's veteran owned. Guys, I look forward to it every single day. It's awesome. So that's that. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day, a fantastic weekend. As always, I greatly appreciate your ear and your support. If you have a minute and you love this podcast, be sure to rate, rate it, and review it on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the greatest show of support you can give me. And I thank you so much. Lots of love to y'all. I'll see you on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission And here we are. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Ebb and Flow Podcast. It's me, Eben Britton, your host. Back in the saddle, baby. Today, I've had some uh, requests from a handful of you for another mind-expanding book episode. So today, more books for you. More mind expanding, more heart expanding. I'm with my brother,
1: Augustus Riton. Ciao.
0: Ciao, Bella.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. And in Italian, I just spoke to an Italian friend. You can say ciao if it's hello or goodbye. Ciao isn't just goodbye.
0: Yeah, that may... Just I, so we know. I, think, I knew that. Did you know that? I knew that. I feel like people think it's goodbye. Hmm, Interesting. I've seen it both. Ciao. So there you go. You got a little you got a little italiano. Yes, little sir. italiano lesson today. So here we go. We've got some great books for you guys. I've just finished a couple a couple fucking dope pieces of literature uh that I'm excited to share with you. But first, Gus Gus has a couple books as well. Gus is going to kick this thing off with a book that he chose called The Malady of
1: Death. Yeah, The Malady of Death. You know, it's kind of nice to kick this off because this is fiction as far as I can tell. Um, And I know we're going to get sort of non-fictional as we go. So it's kind of, uh, I wasn't, I didn't know if this would be too big of a wild card. But, you know, I wanted to introduce your audience to this woman, Marguerite Duras who wrote this book. She's a French author. She's dead now. I believe she was one of Henry Miller's favorite writers. Henry Miller, as we know, from particularly Tropic of Cancer. Henry Miller was very big on French Spoke French He was an American I think he was an expat for a while mm-hmm. Then he moved back to New York But this Marguerite Dura I think I learned about this From some Henry Miller interview Or he used to talk about Duras, And I'd always be like Who's this guy? And then you find, come to find out it's a woman And I think this is the most stolen book I've ever owned What do you mean? I've given more copies of this away and never gotten it back. Oh, interesting. So what does that say? Subsequently, I don't know what that says. If people have read it or if it's easily losable, it's kind of a thin book. It's a
0: small book.
1: Yeah. So now I own about four copies Mm. because I always never really. And then I like buy a new one whenever I see it. Um, So on the back, it says a man hires a woman to spend several weeks with him by the sea. The woman is no one in particular, a she, a quote she, a warm moist body with a beating heart, the enigma of other. Skilled in the mechanics of sex, he desires through her to penetrate a different mystery. He wants to learn to love. It isn't a matter of will, she tells him, still he wants to try. This beautifully wrought erotic novel is an extended haiku on the meaning of love. Perhaps a quote, perhaps a sudden lapse in the logic of the universe and of its absence, the malady of death. So, you know, I want to turn this into a film. This was turned into a film by a French person, I think, like maybe a decade or two ago. But it reads like a play. Okay. And she kind of gives you instructions. Like, at the end of it, she the malady of death could be staged in the theater. And then she says, if I ever film this text, I'd want the weeping by the sea to be shot in such a way that the white turmoil of the waves is seen almost simultaneously with the man's face, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, the atmosphere that she creates in this book of this kind of wayward sailor who... Is absent of love and he invites this woman who is this kind of ghostly sort of apparition apparition you of can't, femininity femininity and intelligence and mm. you can't tell if she's a prostitute or if he's kind of her prostitute Interesting. so the tables keep turning. And maybe this is interesting to me because yesterday I was listening to this talk by Osho and he was talking about the difference between compassion and love or the different layers. Mm. And he was saying that compassion is the deepest form of love. Mm. So there's kind of like three layers of love or three layers of the love experience. At least this is what I got from the talk. And there's sex, which is the least deep layer.
0: That's like the most primal, primitive Form of love.
1: Sure. But also the least fulfilling. Mm. It's the least fulfilling form of love. Okay. Yeah. And then there's love. Well, let's say connection because we do say love. So sex is like the least fulfilling form of connection. Uh Uh-huh. And then he goes to love, which is a bit deeper. And then he says the deepest is compassion. Mm. Which I thought was in, which I think is interesting. Hmm. Um, and he says, compassion is all inclusive and we're deviating from the book, but there isn't really much to talk about the book other than it can be this kind of springboard, at least for this beginning, uh, of our, of a love topic and compassion topic. But he talks about how compassion is all inclusive and it has to include even the people that you think you hate. Hmm. So he talks about this guy that goes and meets, uh, Bodhi Dharma. He's always talking about this person, Bodhi Dharma or Buddha. You know, he talks about Buddha a lot, but I think he says this guy, Bodhi Dharma. And one of his, uh, people comes up to him. He's like, and the guy's like, Hey man, I've figured it all out. I've, I've, I'm compassionate for the world and the universe. I'm compassionate for rocks, animals, the whole thing. But I just don't really like my neighbor can I just not be compassionate for him? And Bodhidharma says, no, I mean, that's not quit. <laughs> Stop meditating. That's not it. If you can't love the person that you, or you no, excuse me, if you can't have compassion for the person that you believe you hate, then it's not real. Mm. So I think that aligns, Ebb, with our political climate. You know, particularly with the thing I, I, I was kind of, I was interested and sort of unnerved and curious at when the president got COVID and people wanted him to die. And I just thought, see, that's not gonna work. Yeah. You know, if we're really trying to transcend. Yeah. But see, now let me ask you this question. Say you have somebody like Adolf Hitler who <laughs> Is doing these horrible things. And I was listening to that Ramdas talk you sent me about being a healthy. Or conscientious antagonist in a way. Mm. How do we be. Peaceful. Uh, what did he say? Well, peaceful he antagonists was... in a way so we can have our feelings. Yeah. And be like, that's not okay behavior, Yeah. but I'm not going to skin you for it, but I need to express that that behavior isn't loving behavior. Well, he was coming from, there's a
0: few really interesting things in that talk that you're talking about from Ram Dass. He, um, cause in that he's talking about when he went to visit, uh, one of these concentration camps yeah. in Germany. And his experience being there as a, you know, he was raised Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really, I obviously, Rahm didn't really identify as Jewish throughout his life. He sort of shed the the veil of of religion as he progressed on his spiritual path. But he talked about how he was basically, he he felt like he couldn't breathe. At those concentration camps. Because he could feel all the horror that had gone down there. And he wasn't sure what he would experience through that. And you know he was really struck by. The energy and the pain and. um, All of that. And. The compassionate antagonist idea. Comes from this. This this way of looking at things where I mean let's put Hitler in his own category for a moment because that's sort of difficult. Although you would say I, I guarantee you Osho or Ramdas would say at the end of the day you come to a place where you find some you you're you're seeking out a place in yourself where you have compassion for an an unfathomable evil. Like Hitler. Mm. You know, because I don't think they would say, well, no, Hitler's over there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, as sort of perplexing and mind-boggling as that is to someone who isn't there. Right. You know, right. Right. it's like, how could you possibly find compassion for okay. such a monster?
1: Okay, so this is interesting. But just hold okay, on. So yeah.
0: just to finish that out, Ramdas talks about how For instance, and he uses the idea of uh, environmental awareness and how, you know, we're driving around, you know, you're you're sort of pissed off at your politicians for not doing more to protect the environment. Mm -hmm. But then he's he talks about how he got to a place where then he realizes how he's part of this system because. He finds himself getting in his car, his gas car, driving around, doing errands and how him purchasing oil feeds this system that perpetuates this whole thing. And he can, he recognizes, he comes full circle to recognize, you know what? I'm part of this issue, you know? And then you can make adjustments in your behavior to, to rectify whatever you feel needs rectification in that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, in this day and age, get an electric car or whatever.
1: Yeah. But but I want to I wanna talk about, you, you reminded me of something. But so in okay. that, sorry. No, go ahead. In that,
0: how do you find compassion for an utter evil that is Hitler? How many people along the way allowed that to happen? Mm-hmm. Sure, it might have been Hitler's grand composition to create the Holocaust to do to enact the Holocaust but how many people along the way were part of that coming to fruition you know
1: yeah yeah well I so don't know something I, don't know I would if that say answers the question no that, I mean I, I think it's uh it's too vast to just answer it mm. immediately I mean we could just say answer it have compassion or don't have compassion but now, but, that, but you reminded me of, so why is it important to find the compassion then? Mm. So my thought is, because if you don't, then it never ends. The lack yeah. of compassion kind of splinters and webs ad infinitum. And Hitler's the cliche example. But I'm sure we can think of people in our lives that we've met that have done things to people that we love. Maybe we've never met the perpetrator. Maybe we have met the perpetrator, blah, 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 that we would love to kill or do harm or do some sort of justice to that perpetrator. Mm. Now, let's think we can't get to that perpetrator so now who does it start hurting Mm -hmm. it start hurt starts hurting us yeah so now i either get to stew in the anger the resentment the rage the homicidal rage which is causing me stress causing me slouching toward heart disease whatever it may be Mm -hmm. or do i flip it And find the compassion for the worst person because ultimately they've gone through their horrible traumas. Yeah. And there's something to be compassionate to them for, even though, because ultimately to me, the criminal is trying to work out their karma. Yeah. Yeah the worst person doing the worst thing is trying to work out their thing unconsciously. Yeah. And it may not be in this lifetime, but moving into their future lifetimes to rectify that. Yeah. So I have to find the compassion. I think, Ebb, so it doesn't eat me up. Yeah. We can think we can be self-centered about it, which is important too. here. Mm. Mm. Um, you yeah. know, is sending them to jail for life enough? I don't know. Is the is the ex, is execution enough? Mm. I'm still. I'm. You would think the goal, the the like. <sighs> we have that saying: "Making peace with it." Well, making peace with it. Does any of that make sense? Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, compassion is a divine act. Mm-hmm. It's a divine. Gesture because, like you were saying, and this goes back to things we've talked about before, <laughs> which is who becomes the tyrant, who becomes the aggressor, who becomes the violator when by your being completely outraged at someone's behavior someone's actions you then take it upon yourself to take action against them in some way to show them how wrong they were or to put them in their place or to to you know give them the pain that they that you feel they deserve given the actions that they that they uh, carried out that created pain in someone else etc you 're just perpetuating the the cycle of pain and aggression and violence absolutely, but with compassion, you literally shut that door, mm-hmm. you shut the door of pain and compa- and uh, violence, and you now create a space for healing mm-hmm. and for openness and for growth and for evolution. hmm. That's why compassion is so powerful Mm -hmm. because you literally change the script. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the, I can't think of a, a specific example at the moment, but it's like the idea of, or it's, it's that great picture. I think it's in China, the person lying down in the street in the tanks in front of the
1: tanks Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was uh Tiananmen Square, I yeah, believe.
0: That's like that's a beautiful example of compassion in action. Right. You know? Because right. in the face of utter violence. Yeah, that gives you gives me chills. You're able to find you're you're facing it with complete stillness. And it literally because what it does is it dismantles the aggressors entire plan an idea Mm -hmm. because think about it dude if you came to someone right and you were like fuck you you fucked this thing up you hurt this person you fucking did all this shit and what if that person said you're right i'm sorry yeah (sighs) what are you gonna do like the whole thing just dissolves yeah yeah the whole thing just comes apart because without that that counterforce violence aggression antagonism whatever it might be it just falls apart mm-hmm. cuz it needs that thing to fucking come up against mhm you know what i mean
1: yeah well it's funny i w- because oh i've heard another osho talk where he talks about the the jesus um saying of uh turn the other cheek and he talks about how what jesus was saying was if somebody s- strikes you on one side of your cheek you turn the other cheek so they can strike you again on, <laughs> on the other cheek did you listen to this uh i'm not no i don't think i've listened to this one but then osho osho's kind of funny because I've listened to so many of his, t- his talks now. Yeah, he's amazing. Sometimes I feel like he contradicts himself in a way, well, but I it's can't all a tell. contradiction, though, too. Yeah, well, that's the whole paradox of it. That's you the know, yin and the like yang of it. it's all
0: a contradiction yeah, yeah, that's at the, the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, that,
1: that's the yin and the yang of it. But, then, but he was talking about, no, F that. If somebody strikes you, strike them back. Uh-huh so then i was like wait what are we because he has a big thing with gandhi right like he has like no he has like a big bone to pick with gandhi oh interesting like a major bone to pick with gandhi he talks about it a lot i'm surprised you haven't heard i haven't heard this well he talks about like gandhi's thing with like nonviolence, right gandhi was having people light themselves on fire Oh as a protest, and osho 's like that 's uber violent oh. what what are you doing Gandhi or gandhi 's having having his disciples or or his followers fast in protest for months until they drop dead so osho 's like that 's not okay that 's violent that 's yeah. not nonviolent so i don 't know it 's an interesting you know, it's an interesting thing, Eb, because we were also talking about how you had the dream of being the warrior, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, what is the line well, between fucking shit up and honoring that? Well, it's the Bhagavad but Gita. But then also
0: being here. That goes to the Bhagavad Gita. Uh-huh. That's the whole premise of the story. Mm-hmm. Arjuna, he sits down. He He's in the middle of this, this battle's about to happen. Right. And he just sits down. And he's like, I can't fucking, I, I, I'm not fighting. I'm not doing this. I'm not interested in this. I don't want to do this. Way too many people are going to die. Mm. This is just, this is not, I'm not interested in, in doing this. I've, I'm over this. Mm-hmm. Let it, let it, it's all, give it to them, whatever they want. And Krishna, who's his, basically his, his charioteer, emerges as Krishna. And Krishna is the God of gods mm-hmm. in Hinduism, he's the supreme God. And, uh, Krishna goes, No, brother. It's time to pick up the sword. Because that's what this life is about. Mm-hmm. Like, in the physical dimension, this is part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. It's good versus evil, it's darkness versus light. When you have to pick up the sword and go to battle. That's what you do and have no fear of death because just as you change clothes, your soul will, chi- will change bodies. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the story right here, right now. Yeah. You have to pick up your sword because this is your destiny. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's chilling too.
0: And I think that's, you know, that's part of the human experience, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and part of this process, like, we'll get into it in Right Use of Will, too. Yeah. As we've gone so far down this rabbit hole of existence, Uh there's so much karma and dharma at play at this point. Like, souls are just coming in and out of this world to rectify karma and to rectify the... Alignment of energy in the universe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And how we do that in the physical realm, you know, anger is a gift. I've really been on this thing, man, because I've had a lot of fucking anger and rage come up, a lot of fire. Anger's a gift, dude. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Nature uses fire. Mm-hmm. If we take anger as fire, mm-hmm. nature uses fire to fucking. Level entire fields to level forests mm. to clean it out to start over. It's interesting you equate anger with fire. It is. It is though. It's, it's not. It's
1: not water.
0: Yeah. Well, there can be angry cool.
1: water, but it is an interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but <laughs> no, so, it does get you hot. No, I know what you're saying. I, was just, anger I thought that is was a, an interesting metaphor. Yeah,
0: anger is. A gift, and it's about using it, being able to use it consciously. Can you use it consciously?
1: Yeah, I was getting chills there because that's just such a really beautiful. And I haven't read the whole Bhagavad Gita yet, but I mean, that's but (laughs) that's a that's a beautiful metaphor. And I don't know if the listeners will take that as well. I'm not on a battlefield holding a sword or holding a gun, so how does that relate to me? That's really like where, that's that midpoint of your conscious decision. Do I do this or do that? And I would imagine sometimes it does require sitting. But, you know, that's such an interesting metaphor for the awakening of consciousness. And maybe it's interesting to me because I feel like I'm exactly in that point of the Arjuna, um And here's the interesting thing about
0: Krishna who tells Arjuna, dude, it's time to go to battle. Uh-huh. He in Hinduism, he is the god of compassion, tenderness, and love. That's amazing.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. We're right on it. That's so and funny. And that
0: again goes back to the ultimate contradictions of the human experience. That's so
1: funny. <laughs> you know? That's so funny. How interesting is that? We were talking about that, and he ends up being the god of course. Goddess? Yeah god god of compassion yeah but i think that's that awakening point where you're having that kind of existential struggle existential and spiritual struggle of how do i participate here yeah how do i do this um so that's great and you kind of talked about you touched on sort of being in the world and and experiencing the world, I was listening to Osho. He was talking about uh, how he te- he would tell his son which are like his his um, you know his, his students. Followers, yeah, his yeah students. he would say to them, "Be in the world." Yeah, because he was talking about like the meditators in the Himalayas. He was like, you know, you'll get really silent if you go and meditate there. You'll find that most pure silence. But when you come back to the marketplace, that silence was the Himalayas. Uh-huh. So until you're silent in the marketplace, uh-huh. then you've got the Himalayan silence. Yeah. But don't think just because you're fucking sitting there. Yeah. So I think that's, that's beautiful. Why love,
0: that's why I love him and I love Alan Watts so much, because yeah. they're both like they're both very much seeing through the the spiritual sort of um egotism mm-hmm. you know they're, they're both of their positions are sure you can go and live in a temple and meditate all day, and Alan Watts's thing is like, yeah, go do that, Your legs are gonna fucking hurt like hell because <laughs> you're gonna be in a lotus position. For twelve hours a day meditating, yeah. it's like you're gonna, your back and your knees and your hips are gonna be in hell, right? But he's like, you don't even, ha- you don't have to do any of that, yeah. You know, yeah. Just get out in the world, live your life, yeah. Love, experience shit, yeah. Make a mess of it, you know. Um, and Osho's the same. I mean, you know, in that it talks See? about he was all into. Uh you know, he did he had all kinds of therapies available to his sannyasins. Uh huh. The screaming therapy. Mm. He was all about sexual expression mm-hmm. and the expressing of oneself to the utmost. And I think that's really true because, dude, we're here. We're here to live. We're here to enjoy this. We're here to experience. We're here to gather information. You know? Yeah. It's not really, you know, you, and in that you can't separate the spiritual from the physical. Because it's all one thing. Yeah. So to say that, you know, sitting here doing a podcast or writing a book or fucking driving your car, going out into the world to do things, to eat food, it's all a spiritual experience at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: So as we close this, as we close out this, uh, cause the malady of death really just was a. Uh, dropping.
1: It's a, not exactly platform. Yeah, it's not exactly a book. Just you but know, here, check it out. Marguerite Duras, The here, Malady of Death. But I've got a couple things on this. Oh, okay. I want
0: to throw at you, and then I want you to just wrap it up and tell us how it. Okay. Sort of makes its way. So, I got a snippet here. The Malady of Death is about an unconventional sexual relationship between a man and a woman, as you said. The man hires the woman to stay with him in a hotel by the sea, hoping that by doing so, he will be able to experience love. The woman accepts the proposal, even though she is not a prostitute. After some days, the woman tells him that he is incapable of love as he is afflicted with the malady of death. The book is written in the second person narrative. Yeah. So, throughout the book, the man is referred to as you and the woman as she. That's really interesting. It is interesting in that way. Um,
1: That's a really interesting uh, So nugget. So, that makes me think of... Why is he afflicted with the malady of death? What is his neuroses that are hindering him from loving this woman but more importantly what might be his neuroses of hindering him from loving himself Hmm. if we can't love ourselves I'm really trying to digest this (laughs) like if you think about that (sighs) if I can't love myself yeah dude you know, you can't be a whole person. <laughs> yeah. And you can't really love something else. And I was thinking about totally, that. Totally. Like no. if I like that thing of <laughs> it's so simple and it's kind of overlooked, I think, because of its simplicity. But like, would you the things you say to yourself, would you say that to somebody else? Would you treat Uh, your? Would you like the negative things? Yeah. Like, would you treat somebody else that way Mm -hmm. that you loved? Mm Hmm. I mean, it really should be anybody, but somebody that you loved. And it's something interesting to just. I want to keep that in the back pocket or in the forefront of my consciousness. Just be like, okay, is this is this self loving here?
0: I love that, dude. I mean, I'm really on this trip. My, my whole trip right now is wherever I'm at, whatever comes up, I'm just being with that. Because for a really long time, thoughts come up, memories come up, feelings, emotions come up that were, at the time, perceived to be outside of my expectations of what should or shouldn't be happening in myself. And uh, by whatever means necessary, I would do an about-face. I'd get myself away from that feeling, thought, memory, idea, etc. Because it was too uncomfortable, too painful, too boring, too whatever. And that created a lot of resistance in myself. And also, you're missing out. I was missing out on a lot. You're missing out on a lot, man. Whatever it is that comes up. Mm -hmm. Whatever the fuck it is that comes up for me, I'm like, okay, what is this? Let's see it. Let's allow it. Let's acknowledge it. Let's be with it. Let's let it be there.
1: Well, not smoke or drink it away either. Oh, definitely. Or addiction it away exactly or distracted away
0: well that's what i'm saying you do an about face by whatever means necessary
1: and get present right
0: drink alcohol smoke weed jack off you know even just the subtler instances of of you know oh let me pick up my phone or let me you know yeah and that's really in my opinion that's the road to self-love Because then you just allow yourself, whatever it is, whoever you are, you know, because we get caught up in this idea of I'm Eben, I'm this guy. So therefore, anything outside of that idea of who that guy is, is wrong and
1: I need to do something about it. But also getting back to the road of myself, what you say, looking at those roots, how can we love something that we haven't even given the, uh, given the time to get to know? Right. <laughs> yeah. If we're fucking, If we're fucking out of it. Completely, man. And we aren't checking in and being present with the emotions and the habits. How do we really get to the core of the thing that we want to start loving? Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. You know that the Zen and the Yoga masters—I've heard, I've been hearing this a lot lately—they stop dreaming. Mm. They don't dream. It's interesting they've—I think it's because they've gone peeled through. all the layers. Uh-huh. They've taken it all. They fleshed it out. Yeah. So they don't dream.
0: That's interesting.
1: And then you can see somebody that's dreaming. Their eyes aren't really fully closed. And you can see that when their eyes awake. are no when, when they're, they're asleep. asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was interesting.
0: It's very interesting, man. Um, anything else on the malady of death? No, no, no. I think interesting. That was a good start. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting book. Interesting book. Short book. Little, yeah. Check it out. So our next book. I mean, really, just a fucking smoker from. From beginning to end. Out of your mind, Tricksters, Interdependence, and the Cosmic Game of Hide and Seek by Alan Watts. I mean Alan Watts is honestly my all-time favorite teacher, speaker, uh philosopher, and This book is so, this book is really a collection of essays that he's written. And even, you know, a lot of these essays are, you can hear them as talks actually, or at least pieces of them as talks. And this book basically, it spans from, he talks about Zen, he talks about Buddhism, he talks about Hinduism, um... I've said this, I said this to a a buddy who asked me about this book recently because I posted it on Instagram Um, and I described Alan Watts as having a profound ability to cut through the nonsense of life to the purest essence of this happening, this true experience that we call being a human um and I'm just gonna flip and and snag something have you read this? uh uh-uh. no not yet I will you know he's just you know he talks about
1: hindu cosmology well why does he call it out of your mind why is the title out of your mind
0: well in order to come to your senses alan watts often said you sometimes need to go out of your mind Huh. perhaps more than any other teacher in the west this celebrated author former anglican priest that's how he started that's so funny and self-described spiritual entertainer, was responsible for igniting the passion of countless wisdom seekers to the spiritual and philosophical delights of India, China, and Japan. With out of your mind, you are invited to immerse yourself in six of this legendary thinker's most engaging teachings on how to break through the limits of the rational mind and expand your awareness and appreciation for the great game unfolding all around us. So here's a little, here's a little snip. When Hindu and Buddhist philosophers speak of detachment, it just means going with this whole thing and not resisting change. And if you do that, you can afford to go with it. You can afford to get mixed up in life and fall in love and get involved with all sorts of things. You can afford it if you know it's an illusion. This is where this word maya is crucial. Yes, maya means illusion, but it also means magic, art, delineation, and measurement. Our English word matter and material are related to maya, but when we say material today, we think of something very real, not illusory at all. Well, measurement is certainly an illusion because you don't find inches lying around. You can't pick up an inch. Inches and pounds and dollars and hours are actually imaginary, just like the self. The real self isn't material. It doesn't matter. That is, it doesn't exist for any purpose. It doesn't need to exist for any purpose. What purpose would it exist for? So the most important thing in the universe is the one thing that doesn't matter. The one thing that's totally and completely useless and that nobody can find. You know, and that's really, when you get down to it, his whole thing is about the way we've been cultured to think in the West is really it's, it's all based on symbols and materialism, which are all just illusions of the mind. You know, and we get to this thing of, you know, and he goes really into depth about how you are in a, a manifestation of, as a manifestation of the universe, you are really God in a human skin. Mm. And he's, His way of breaking things down is fascinating. You know, the way that... Because you're not God in the typical Judeo-Christian sense. You're not necessarily omnipresent or omnipotent. But when you really break it down, and you think about your individual being... You don't beat your heart. You don't grow your hair. (laughs) Where do your thoughts come from? They stream in from somewhere beyond that you really have no control over. And he goes into the process of thinking is really a process of putting symbols together and creating meaning out of symbols. Oh, well, that's awesome because that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. So, you know, his whole thing is you are, you are God in the flesh and your entire life is basically a game of remembering that mm. because if you were the creator of all things, what would God do? God would fucking go and experience all the shit. And how would he experience it? How would he or she it, experience it all? Mm. through this it's funny (laughs) and today i was listening to one of his talks and he's talking about the brain and he was saying how the brain is is so far beyond any computer that's ever been constructed in fact the brain is the most complex and intricate manifestation in the entire universe yeah because it's just it's incomprehensible neurologists don't even understand how it works yeah Literally, scientists who study the brain have no fucking idea what, what it I- even does. Yeah. How it operates. Right. Like, when you look through your eyes, we take it for granted that we see. You just open your eyes and you, the world appears before That's you. profound. Yeah. We take that for granted. Yeah. You know, he's talking about how babies, because it's like, there's, the, there's duality and non-duality. Uh-huh. And, you know, he never really says, like, this is the truth. Uh-huh. Although in this talk, I was li- I've was i just been listening to his shit on repeat lately. He's got thousands, hundreds, if not thousands of hours of talks. Um, and he was talking about how he was saying, you know, I'm not like... I'm not here to tell you what to believe or what's true. I'm here. What I'm telling you is that it's it's like me telling you, if you stick your hand in the fire, you're going to get burned. That's sort of the reality of this. Uh-huh. You can choose not to stick your hand in the fire. But it's just sort of the, he's he's he likes to break down the nature of the universe. And so it goes to, for instance, our talk about masculinity. And I feel like in this day and age, we're really doing our damnedest to innovate and invent our way out of having to have masculinity in right. the world. Uh huh. We're really doing our damnedest. But the truth of the matter is you can't have femininity without masculinity. Yeah, for sure. You can't have light without darkness. Right. You can't have pain without pleasure. You can't have mountains without the earth. You know? And so no matter how hard we try to escape this shit, these are just metaphysical truths of the universe, of the nature of the universe, the laws of how this thing fucking functions, the supreme reality behind all things. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he talks about babies. There's a per, there's a certain point when babies, because babies come into the world and they don't know that they're not everything. But this thing happens as they as they begin to develop, where then all of a sudden they start pointing at things and going da, da, and he's like American fathers love to say that uh, dad dad is the first word out of every baby's mouth, but he's really like. Babies are saying that. Right. That. Because they're starting to recognize that there's things outside of themselves. But <laughs> up until that moment, they are coming into this world as if it's all one thing. Right. So, for instance, a baby pointing at the moon at first doesn't know that they're separate from the moon. Uh huh. And he goes into how, you know, he goes deeper into the omnipotence of self is that the sun doesn't shine until you open your eyes to look at it. And see the rays come down. Right. You know, the air doesn't blow until you feel it against your skin. A sound doesn't happen until it reverberates against your eardrum. Uh huh. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: um, So I'm just, uh, I'm, this book is a great place to start if you're interested in getting into Alan Watts. He's a profound thinker. Um, Really, I think he's one of the great light bearers of all time. Uh, Just how he breaks down. He has a beautiful way of breaking down religion And bringing it into a spiritual context. uh, Bringing it really to a point where it's made available for you to get an understanding of it. And he puts it into a context that's really fascinating. You know, and it's all this stuff that we're talking about, you know. It's like this idea he talks about how when Lucifer was kicked out of the heavens... He said, up until that moment, God had armed all the angels and had created, given all of them weapons. Like it talks about this in the Bible, this moment when Lucifer was kicked out of heaven and sent down to hell. And he's like, who was really looking for a fight? Lucifer or God? Uh (laughs) You know? Like you see God spent all this time arming all the angels and creating all these rules around what it, what you had to do to stay in heaven. And therefore he was asking for a fight. He was asking for opposition. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you set up a system in which you are creating the opportunity for a counter that's inevitably going to reveal itself. So it goes to your thinking. When you're thinking about life and you're thinking about the world, Mm -hmm. it's like that that thing, Gus, we were talking about. Compassion. Why is compassion so important? Mm -hmm. He also, he gives this great, so in that context, he gives this incredible story. It's a Buddhist story because he talks about how uh, spiritual zealots are so against sex and sexuality and expressing your, Yourse- yourself right. sexually right and he gives this great it's either zen or buddhist uh little story where he's like two monks two monks were uh walking along a river and it started a dam collapsed uh-huh. and the fjord was flooded and there was a woman a helpless woman on the bank and one of the monks picked her up Uh, he carried her, he picked her up and carried her to safety with the other monk, then set her down and let her go on her way. And they went on their way. And the other monk, they, they start walking for a little bit further and the other monk goes, Hey, um, you totally broke one of our monastic laws. Uh huh you touch and the monk goes what do you mean he's like well you touched that woman and carried her you're not allowed to do that (laughs) and the monk goes well i put her down you've been carrying her this whole way oh i think i heard that one and i was like that's That's and that's the that's that thing dude yeah oh you know and it goes to so it's like if you're Whatever it is that you're carrying around, if you're angry at someone, if you hate someone, yeah. you're literally, the only one that that's affecting is you. Yeah. Can you put it down?
1: Yeah. Osho was talking about that the other day, the so-called saints in India. He said so-called, not me, but he said the so-called <laughs> saints in India that reject sex. Uh-huh. He said all they do is talk about sex. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So you're fixated
0: on this thing. So then your whole life becomes about opposing this thing.
1: Yeah. And I've heard Watts talk about um, in terms on the subject of flowing, the kind of Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist feeling of uh, flowing with the world. He talks a lot about how, about feedback and vibration. Yeah. And how when you don't flow like anxiety or depression, it's a feedback. It's like a. It's like a. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. He talks about sound it's and an vibration. energetic feedback that's happening that's disrupting the flow. Yeah. Of the vibration of moving with the with life. Yep. Yeah. As opposed to having a clean kind of stream. Yep. Yeah. And then the other thing. I heard him say the other day was about breathing. How breathing is one of a. Breathing is a really interesting meditation tool because breathing is something that you can do voluntary or in or involuntary so it can it can um help the meditation process or it can be something you let go and i love how watts is um at least as far as i've heard his main meditation practice or for beginners is just listening. Yeah, you just sit and listen. Don't do anything with your breath. Just close your eyes and listen um, non-judgmentally to all the sounds, whether it's a car, air conditioning, birds. Just listen. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Let you leave your breath alone. Leave everything alone, and just non-judgmentally listen.
0: That's become really. And you'll meditate. You'll, oh, yeah. you'll
1: get into a zone. Oh you, yeah, that's a it's really simple flow.
0: Yeah, that's actually become my favorite form of meditation. Yeah. Since listening to him talk about that. And and he's he's right. You drop in really quickly. Yeah, you do. And it's about when you're listening, part of that what he's talking about is you basically the practice is not to label any of the sounds. Just allow them to come in and hear them. Mm-hmm. And that's a fucking really profound exercise,
1: yeah, yeah I, also, um, I thought something was funny in one of the talks he said, and he's talking, and he says, "Just listen to the sound of my voice, don't make out any of the words, uh-huh, and it's less, and it was less like a meditation practice for me, but a really interesting study, and in maybe what you referred to of the profundity of the mind to where if you're hearing words being put together." you can't help but have your brain yeah. decipher it. Yeah. Like in light speed. Yeah. light faster than light speed. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you just said exactly. I knew <laughs> exac right in, you know, it's yeah. like that, that was just a kind of profound, like, Oh wow. And then I started trying to listen to him, but not make out any of the words, uh-huh. like not put any of it together.
0: And in that, you your can't... brain will f- will put together what's being said. Too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You can't really do it, but it is interesting to just listen. I mean, the listening, just listening as a meditation is beautiful. Yeah, that's it's profound. Um,
0: yeah. So Alan is the man. I mean, on that to round out that thing you said about him, um, you know. If there's something you don't want to think about, the worst thing to do is say, I don't want to think about that Uh because then you just keep thinking about it. Yeah. You know, let's not think about the pink elephant, boom, pink elephants all over the place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's it. You know, that's really the, the mantra of Alan Watts is go with the flow and you are it, you are it, you're everything. There's nothing to figure out.
1: But see, I wanna I wanna talk about that this going with the flow thing because I think there's a process to being able to go with the flow. Cause if you've gone years mm-hmm. as many of us have, decades maybe, and collected shit and collected doors you used that word door earlier, you've collected all these different doors yeah. leading you into more shitty rooms. And this is where I think talk therapy is deeply important and like Jungian and Freudian psychoanalytics or psychoanalysis. There has to be a period of excavating and moving through the layers so that we can start going with the flow. And I wanted to ask you, there's this guy I see. I've been seeing him for like months now over near the Disney buildings. And he's always sitting there. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like this guy you always see walking in the neighborhood. You've uh-huh. seen him for like de- a decade now. Yeah. So, you, so he's always sitting there. And he doesn't really do anything. The other day I saw him like throwing a ball against the wall. And one time, I think, a couple times, I think I've seen him with like a book or a notebook. Is he off the freeway? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, it dawned on me, and I've been thinking about this, and maybe this is kind of parallel to the Arjuna story, where trying to find what the right action is, and I wrote a note here, How simple is it? Question mark. Then I wrote, how do you or i know how do we know if we have reached a place of i get you know it's kind of a powerful word but enlightenment and then osho would also mention you have to be careful because your mind will play tricks on you and it'll say It'll make you think you've reached some place. So is it as simple as you're just sitting there and there's nothing else to do? Because there's nothing really to do. Or, but then I suppose you become a householder or you have a family or you get into a relationship or you have a job and you have these kinds of obligations. So, you know, I just want to, I'm kind of interested in unpacking things and getting to the core. So if we say just go with the flow. What does that I think there's a process to being able to do that. I think, yes. And I don't want to overcomplicate it, but I also don't want to oversimplify it. Right. Because you've got people going, I'm going with the flow. And then it's just like. You have Life no fucking clue who you are, yeah, and then it's all just one shit <clears throat> you know you're with you're going with the flow for a day and then the shit you know, and it's just like no it's it's a
0: vicious cycle eb it's a great it's a great uh question um i think it's very simple and it's very complex uh-huh it's both it's yeah. that great contradiction. Uh Um, you know, so something Alan talks about the spiritual game. Mm. So you start this process, right? You start on this process and you say, I'm going to go into the arts, music, literature. I'm going to, I know there's an answer in there. So you dive into that. You dive into the world of the arts. You spend years in that. You become an expert in it. You become a master in it. You go, you know, uh, no, there's nothing really here. I don't know. It's just not really here. So then next thing you do, you go, you dive into the world of psychotherapy. You say, this is it. I found it. This is it right here. I got this shit now. Uh I really found this thing. This is the thing. Years and years of therapy. You go, you know, uh, it's not really here either. So then finally you get to spirituality, you get to God, you get to religion, you dive into that, you dive headfirst into Buddhism and Hinduism, Eastern philosophy, and even, you know, Christian mysticism, Judeo mysticism, etc. You dive in all of it, man. you get it all in, uh-huh. become a master and an expert of it. And you go, you know what? It's just, this is just another thing here. And he's like, you know, the spiritual game just becomes this. It's a more refined version of the ordinary game of life, of constantly seeking to improve yourself. And your ego continues to transcend. Mm. You think I'm going to transcend my ego now. Mm. I've got it, dude. Realize who I am. I've become the watcher. But then your ego, it comes in again and you find yourself looking down on people. You find yourself going, ah, my religions, my spirituality, it's better than your spirituality. My yoga is better than your yoga. And then you go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not I thought I was done. <laughs> yeah, I thought I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mastered yoga. I mastered meditation. I mastered compassion. I mastered myself. Compassion. Wait a minute. And then it comes back. And then you keep going. Uh-huh. And I think you know the the thing of that's interesting enlightenment what is enlightenment? well, it comes back to that thing dr. Ted said yeah
1: yeah, what did he say again Lightning.
0: enlightenment more. everybody thinks enlightenment is like you get this
1: shit, uh-huh. but enlightenment is really relieving yourself of all the shit well that that kind of goes back to the yogis and the masters, the Zen masters when they dream they don't or when they sleep right. they don't dream anymore right. They're just there.
0: So I think that you know what, and and that's what you know. Alan, Alan Watts is always talking about, and what I think Osho is talking about, like be careful, mm-hmm. don't get into because you it's a it's a process of constantly coming back to yourself, and what is the ultimate thing in yoga, Gus? Mm-hmm. It's the trip that you don't know anything. It's the constant reminder that you know nothing. So if you can constantly just come back to that place, because really at the end of the day, it's what is enlightenment? Enlightenment is awareness. It's bringing the light to your experience. Yeah, It's enlightening your experience. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting here and we're doing this podcast, I'm not fucking out there. I'm not 10 years ago. I'm not 2 hours from now. I'm not this morning. I'm just right here. Without any of the other shit. So, and I'm coming at it coming to it from a place of openness, willingness and awareness of you know, it's like not being consumed, not being taken for the ride on your th- on the train of thought.
1: For sure. Which is, you know, what did the yogi ask for Christmas?
0: <laughs> Nothing.
1: Presence. Oh, I love that. I know. I think I've said that joke, but that brings but one. that brings me to being present. So then, going with which the is flow, what you're saying, which is like being present, right? So these are. So then we can learn. It's multifaceted.
0: Yes. So the going with the flow thing to me, that's this sort of, there's sort of an unspoken thing happening when you get to a place of just pure awareness and presence Uh and enlightenment. So going with the flow means you don't have expectations. Uh You're not caught up in what things are supposed to be. Uh You're not caught up in what it should look like or what it has to look like for you to be okay and when you're going with the flow that means whatever comes up we're just going to be there with it once again coming back to that thing i said about this trip that i'm on currently and i think if i'm doing it right i'll be on this trip for the rest of my
1: life right and back to my question How do we get to a place where we can surrender to going with the flow? That's a process. I think the flow is constantly changing, if we will. Right? We never step in the same river twice. Yeah. That's what Heraclitus said. Yeah. You never step in the same river twice. So, Which is what I believe you're saying. We're constantly evolving with what the flow is. We're constant and that's what's afforded through presence. Yes. You're constantly capable of upping your skill level. And you know what's funny? Going with the flow, if we're talking about with this uh what the analyst uh Mihai who created <laughs> who created the flow state, what oh, the flow yeah, state is. Yeah. The flow state is this chart that goes low skill plus high challenge uh-huh. Is anxiety. High skill plus low challenge is boredom. Yeah. So you want to be in, in the, the middle, middle with the flow, in the flow state. I don't even know I don't know if he I don't know if going with the flow was actually anything he well then created, but it
0: comes back to this thing, this Buddhist saying pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Uh
1: huh.
0: Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. The suffering comes from the expectations and your attachments. Uh-huh. Because you can break your leg and experience the pain in the moment of that. But you don't have to suffer for months and months and months on, on your broken leg. Uh-huh. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. You move but on. See, there's a process, even breaking the leg analogy. I don't think we're beating this. I don't think this is a dead horse being beaten here. I think this is important. There's but see, even through that, breaking your leg, there's a rehabilitation period. Yep. It's a process. It must be processed feeling. through, right? Definitely. And it
0: goes back to that thing. You you put up all these doors, you create all these shitty rooms. That you're living in in your mind. And so you have to there's a process of disillusion. Uh-huh. You have to dissolve those fucking processes. Yeah. You have to dissolve those those borders, those walls, those boundaries. Mm-hmm. No question, there's a process to it. That's why I don't think you you can't just say, or at least it's not totally useful to say it's all right here you you have it i mean that's good to know to keep in the back of your mind because through that knowing right and through that and during the process you'll experience glimpses of that Mm -hmm. and you'll experience tastes of that of having it all of being it all yeah but really, it's the exercises. How how much meditation? That's why uh, Jay Krishna
1: Murti uh-huh.
0: he says it's ridiculous to talk about meditation.
1: Uh huh.
0: I don't know if you've ever listened. Yeah, to Yeah, I
1: started time. listening a little bit. Yeah. He's like,
0: I'm I'm not up here to talk to you about meditation. That's uh-huh. silly. It's ridiculous. Uh huh. Because meditation is not something you do in the morning when you get up or before you go to bed. It's not an exercise. Uh huh. Meditation is a way of being. Right. It's a way of living where you're completely present at all times. Yeah. So that means when you're here sitting with me, we're having a conversation wherever you go. You're out with friends. You're fucking working out. You're at work. How fucking disciplined can you be? Because it has to start with discipline. It has to start as an exercise. It has to start as a technical process. Mm -hmm. Because then you just create it. And you start, you find yourself, oh shit. Oh shit. Today has been an eternity. Because I've just been in this moment the entire time. I haven't been anywhere else. So sitting here with you, if my mind flies out there to some other thing, can I bring myself back here to sit here with you and talk with you? Yeah, that's that's what that's the goal, I guess, if you if you can if you want to put terms around it. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Krishnamurti is talking about meditation, but he's not talking about it. As the layman knows it. Yeah. I would assume.
0: Hold on. Should we? I'm going to just pause this because I've got the, the gardeners are about to come in and blow. Okay. I've got a pee too. Okay. So we'll take a quick break. We went really deep there. We went a lot deeper than I thought we would go.
1: We had two other books.
0: We had two other books to cover. But that was pretty dense. I mean, we hit... The Malady of Death, really interesting. Check that book out, which led us into the different levels of love, sex, love, and compassion. Why is compassion important? Talked a lot about Osho. Spirituality, enlightenment, awareness, consciousness. We dove into Out of Your Mind by Alan Watts, another great one. Highly recommend it. Alan's overall philosophy, why he's important. What's interesting about him and the spiritual process? So, we had two other books Right Use of Will, and what was the book, Gus?
1: This Umberto Eco book about semiotics. You talked about Watson's symbols and signs, so that would have been interesting, but I think we could talk about that. We could do that as a preface to the Right Use of Will one. It's a it's a book about interpretation and over interpretation, mm-hmm. which I feel like is up our alley in terms of creating theories or philosophies around what we're learning about about all this kind of esoterica. Uh-huh. Um so that could you know, that that was the other one. But that's you know, that's kind of a lot to get into.
0: Well, a big part of Alan Watts on that vein to close this thing out is dissolving those thought patterns so that you have a clearer view of the world. So you're not no longer living your life through the, the lens of illusion. You're living your life through a clear lens of truth and, and what is real. What is re- What is the ultimate reality? Which I think is something we're all striving for, whether we know it or not. You want to see the truth of the world. Bless you. Thank you. Um, So we'll we'll dive into that next time. Right Use of Will is vast and deserves its own podcast, perhaps. Uh, And we'll get that rolling. We'll get that out there. Um, Any closing thoughts, Gus? Before we send this thing off
1: I thought it was great how this uh, shined light On what it means to Get down to the core of whatever we're talking about You know I think Eb and I are You know These things can be very vast But then they have a lot of particulars And spindly uh, Ways to Find them and incorporate them Into their lives so I thought I thought it was fun to unpack what we mean by some of these things like go with the flow or what does it mean or or you know being present and what the fruits of those of uh cultivating those things in your life is and um what it means to be compassionate just you know we could go on and on but I hope that I can come he- here and distill some of this information with Eben on the Eben flow. Yeah, and it man. was cool that this turned into a whole compassion, love, uh, kind of finding your bliss talk. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. I, I actually really love that because I think that's that's what it's all about. And it starts it starts within. It starts with you loving yourself. And I believe the path to self-love begins with allowing and acknowledging whatever it is that comes up inside of you, Mm -hmm. free of expectations, free of beliefs of what should or shouldn't be so that you can experience and come to love and have compassion for the wholeness of you, of the individual that is you. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. maybe maybe that's a good takeaway. Am I being self-loving here? Mm-hmm. Would I treat somebody else that I love the way I'm treating myself right now?
0: Yeah, no, it's really interesting you say that. I mean, I used to be incredibly hard on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, during my football career, I'd be watching film, and I had a number of coaches say to me, like, yeah, but you don't have to be so hard on yourself. You know, I was always harder on myself than anyone else. Yeah. Any other than any coach could be on me. You know, I'd, I'd watch myself miss a block or get beat and be like, you fucking asshole. And that wasn't helpful. Yeah. It wasn't helpful to be like that. Right. It would have been much more helpful for me to acknowledge defeat, allow it to, to be there because I got to this place where I couldn't allow myself to be defeated. And then of course I, I ended up going on this perpetual string of defeat in my football career where I lost confidence in myself Uh that led to a complete loss of confidence. So it would have been much more helpful for me to acknowledge defeat, allow it to have happened and learn from it. Yeah. What do you learn from it? because that's the only way we heal that's the only way we grow that's the only way we evolve that's the only way we get better
1: which you are doing now though
0: well definitely but it took me to completely decimate myself physically emotionally spiritually during my football career have to come back to basically ground zero of me to start on this process of finding self-love
1: which i think is
0: necessary I think so. And it goes to that process. What is the process? Mm -hmm. Obliterate all those rooms
1: that you've put up in yourself. Right. Start start looking at the doors. Pull out the axe and see what doors are there. Maybe chip away at the doors. And then the question would be,
0: Gus, what does that mean? What is the mechanism by which you start to acknowledge the doors? And I would say... Become aware or become, get to a place where you can see and become aware of when you feel triggered mm-hmm. in anger, in hate, in violence, in something, something because it happens all the time. Let's face it. We're in a pressure cooker right now. 2020 is a fucking pressure cooker on the planet. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, you listening to this podcast, driving around wherever it is you live, going to work, going out into the world, going grocery shopping, going in parking lots, trying to park in public, etc. You're going to be triggered by people in one way or another. You're going to be triggered by family members. Going to be triggered by friends. Things are undoubtedly going to come up that make you uncomfortable and displeased. Watch that. Yep. What is it? Because yep. that's the door. Yes. That's the door right there. Yes. What is it in myself that is being ignited, triggered
1: mm-hmm.
0: by this person?
1: And it may go back a while.
0: Oh, yeah. This it may go, may go
1: back a couple it may go back in this lifetime, it may go back in some other lifetimes. It may be in the word abused, it may be in your epigenetics. Yeah. Start researching. Research, Research your life. You're Love not that. just here. You're <laughs> not just here. There's a lot here that's that's also here. Yeah. No doubt ask those questions and be and just becoming aware you listening to this podcast you turning it. I don't I don't mean to sound patronizing or anything, but even just just checking into the ebb and flow a place that's asking questions. And I, I may sound energized. I think it's because I'm passionate about this stuff, but just coming here. This is it. This is cultivating the awareness. Yeah. You have tapped in. You have turned it over to another conversation. You have turned it over to a conversation that's not grounded in materialism. We, Eb and I and you, have turned it over to a conversation that's deeper. That's a deeper dimension of life. Mm -hmm. And it requires asking questions. And of utmost importance, what we were just talking about. The dogs are barking. That's okay. (laughs) The awareness. Yeah. Awareness.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. What else are we doing here, man? What else are we doing here? Are you here to just consume and buy stuff and achieve some semblance of external success? What Whatever that even means. Because it means nothing. What does it mean if you're not asking questions? If you're not coming to terms with yourself? If you're not getting to know this thing that is you yeah because at the end of the day man you're really all you got
1: you know yeah the beautiful socratic mantra i know that i know nothing mm. a saying derived from plato's account of uh the greek philosopher socrates i know that i know nothing if we start there man <laughs> compassion will grow out of that yeah not only compassion for the outside world, compassion for yourself too.
0: Well, that's another uh, Wattsism as well, because he says get to a place when you realize or can hone your attention on nothingness. That's when something occurs.
1: Mm. <sighs> that's where the thing grows. It's beautiful.
0: And you think about that. You think about the birth of the universe. Yeah, it came out of nothing.
1: As far as we, as there far was as as once
0: nothing. Yeah. Then there came something. Because there's a ton of energy in nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, y'all. All right. That was dope. Thank you. It's okay, little mama.
1: There's dogs Sandy's and kids in the house. running around everywhere. Here we go, y'all. Little animals. It's animals.
0: All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining Gus and I. On this episode of the Ebb and Flow, we had a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back with another mind expanding book episode, maybe by the end of the week um because i I want to talk about right use of will i'm I'm excited to dive in there's a lot of fucking really interesting stuff in there yeah um Gus, thank you.
1: lots of love ciao
0: um. Hey, everybody, as always, I greatly uh, appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the and flow podcast, please be sure to rate and review it on iTunes. It's a incredible gesture to me in this podcast. Uh, if you feel as though there's a particular episode that resonated with you and might help out a friend or family member, please share it with them. I greatly appreciate that. Lots of love to you guys out there. Hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Until next time, I'm out of here, y'all. Peace.